This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This week, the team dusts off its running shoes, warms up a few limbs and starts thinking about taking on some marathons. This is a very special edition of the Known and Ever podcast. Hello and welcome, welcome, welcome to an end of season very, very special podcast because this week we are talking to the man of the hour, the absolute legend, a certain Scott Cunliffe, who decided at the beginning of last season that he was going to set up the Runaway Challenge and run marathons to every single Burnley away game. Why on earth would you do that? What would be the reason for doing it? And how do you even go about doing it? Well, I am delighted to be joined this evening by Scott Cunliffe, the man himself who's going to basically answer all our questions. Scott, congratulations. Welcome to the show. All the emotions in the world. Yeah. Hi, Nat. Thank you for having me on. Very happy to be here. and Very happy to have uh, successfully done the challenge. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, obviously, we'll come to the end of um, sorry, at the end of the podcast. We'll come on to donations and, and obviously the main point of doing the the challenge in the first place, which was for charity and it was uh, to raise as much money as is humanly possible. Um, but as it stands, as we record this on Tuesday night, your just giving page has gone over fifty thousand pounds now. Just how does that make you feel? That must be overwhelming. It sure is, yeah. I didn't expect to actually get that high. I had high ambitions. I wanted to get 38,000 or and I thought we could just about squeeze that in. And that being the average attendance of a Premier League game, I thought we can just go for 38 and that would be, mm. be magic if we had that. But gosh, going over 50, and we're up to 56 now with the just giving. Oh, wow, really? With the, <gasps> with the gift aid. So, yeah, that's just going to change a lot of people's lives and a lot more than, than I thought it would do. So, yeah, it's exciting, very exciting and really, really chuffed. Oh, you should be. I think everybody just feels immense pride for you. And it's something I think that's snowballed a little bit as the season's gone on. I think we all heard about it at the beginning of the season and, and you know, our friend of the show, Andrew Greaves, contacted us to say that there was this guy who was going to run to all Burnley away games and would we be interested? And we were like, yeah, yeah, sure, get you know, get him on. You and I just didn't manage to get <laughs> together at all at any point during the season. But has it, it felt to me that it wasn't, 
And I don't mean this in a dismissive way, but you hear these legendary stories and they often don't really take um, an awful lot of sense at the beginning, do they? It was certainly towards the end of the season that people started to really take note and realise that you were doing it. Yeah, I think you said the right word there, snowballed, really. And Mm. that's the way we, we kind of planned it. You can't plan it, but we just said, we said, like me and a few friends who were sort of helping me out with all different things from the start, we said, you know, let's not, push heavy on the media let's just make sure we can get the runs done at first and let's yeah let do let the legs do the talking for want of a better cliche um so that's just what we did really we didn't push it out there obviously i was putting little things on twitter and uh, on social media but we just thought let it grow and eventually we'll we'll get some sort of national media coverage and we wanted that you know because we were trying to raise money for people across the country uh, so we wanted to connect with other fans and we wanted other fans from other clubs to donate so Luckily, it kind of took a turn. But, I mean, it's funny, though, because I'll tell you a little story. The BBC put an article out in the end of October, and by that time, I'd got a little bit sort of frustrated. Oh, you know, I've done quite three or four runs now or something, and maybe a couple more. And we hadn't really got as much sort of recognition or media coverage or donations as what, what we we thought we might get. And one of my mates, he said... Uh, he said, oh, he said, he said, I went out for a drink with him on a Sunday evening and he just said, uh, oh, do you remember this lad from school? And he's uh, he's like, yeah, yeah. I said, I said, I remember him. He's two years older than me. And uh, this bloke, Shorty, actually run, works on the BBC Sport website. So by the time we left the pub, we had a message back from him. He said, yeah, a journalist will contact you tomorrow. And then the BBC ran a story a couple of days later. And then so the national kind of side of it just took off from there. And when I'd been in to see Burnley, the, the charity side of Neil Hart and everyone, we'd, we'd kind of said, you know, let's start getting a bit more proactive now and pushing it out. And we didn't really need to because that BBC article came out sort of the, the day after I saw Neil. Um, Neil Hart in, in BFC in the community. And and it just snowballed really from there, really, from sort of, I think it was mid-October when the article came out. So I think it was, you know, you think it's national, but it was just just a good old Burnley connection that drove it forward, you know. So it's, yeah. I think it's that that shines through more than anything, you know, just the people at the town rally, rallying around businesses and um, and media. And, you know, it's just been been fabulous. It just shows how, how big a heart Burnley has. Yeah, it really does. And I think for me, it that symbolises not just where Burnley sits in its community, but where Burnley sits in the national media as well. I mean, it, there's no doubt that the, the national media have got interest because they were Premier League games. And, you know, you, you, you kind of think, well, it's, it's frustrating that only Premier League things get coverage. But you've got to use that to your advantage when you're doing something like this and just think, well, great, I'm going to I'm going to make sure I get on that bandwagon. But like you say, the very fact that it was an old Burnley school connection that got you that lift in the first place just just sums up exactly what we're all about to me. Sure does, and you can imagine if it would be running to championship grounds, yeah, it probably wouldn't have got the, <laughs> have got the top of the BBC Sport page. But uh, been fine when you went to Leeds. Yeah, Leeds yeah, got yeah, the media coverage. Yeah. Well, <laughs> okay, so let's move on. Um, what I want to start off by talking about is where it all began. Um, obviously, you, you've had a few interviews that we've seen over the years, uh, over the season, sorry, where you've talked about what drove you to this challenge and what you, you know, how, how you got the idea into your head. Um, yeah. Where did it all start? Take us back to the very beginning. It's funny, really, because um, I did, uh, sorry, the Building Express, John Dean's just done a really good article, which I think just came out today or coming out this Friday's Building Express. 
Um, so I sat down with John for some, quite some time, and during the interview, I don't think he put it in the article, but it it dawned on me that the BBC did an article on me 20 years ago, uh, and that was when I just first time I'd been out working and volunteering in Asia, and I'd come back from a like a conflict zone, and it was kind of like you know Burnley Burnley man traumatized by by what he'd seen out in Asia during this conflict. And that was 20 years ago. And, and really, I guess it started there in East Timor, you know, when I was I was just a student then. And um, and I guess the, my depression and subsequent sort of uh, post-traumatic stress disorder came from working in those conflict areas for, you know, for 15, 20 years. So that's kind of where the story starts, I guess, from, from being exposed to a lot of human rights abusers and exposed to conflicts and, 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 and war, war zones. Uh, working for different charities and that's where it kind of started you know and I think I just like like a lot of people in the sort of mid-20s and 30s you get really just absorbed in your work and you you lose fitness you drink a lot you, you part you work hard you party hard you get a bit more money than you've been used to and you, and you basically live life to the full you know you're working full on you and you're, you're a bit more idealistic and, you, and you're partying full on as well so I think around that time you know that's when I uh, and I started to get a bit a bit depressed, and uh, and I took a in two thousand and nine. I remember the day of the well, the week before Wembley, yeah, before the, the playoff final, and I was working. I was a consultant, and I was working on a job uh, in Aceh where the tsunami was, um, and it was basically I was my mates were like, "You're not coming back for the final." I was like, "Well, I'll tell you what, I've had such a rough time over the last sort of six months, year. If we win tonight, I'm going to come back for the season." That was two thousand and nine, and and as we all know, we, we won at Wembley. And um, a month or so later, I came back and I was pretty depressed at the time, and um, pretty down. And I just thought, yeah, coming back to Burnley and watching Burnley in the Prem for the first uh, for the first time in, in my life was was going to be fantastic. And and my sister just knocked on me knocked on my door and basically said, um, you know, I, I'm doing a bit of running. Do you fancy sign up for the London Marathon? So that was about ten years ago now. You know, sort of two thousand and nine just after I came back, sort of August 2009. And um, I've been playing a bit of five-a-side and running a little bit, but I've never really, like, timed anything or done anything, like, sort of jotted down any kind of results. So I haven't even been going to a race or anything. So, yeah, my sister and and my mum as well. My mum was running at that time. She retired and started running down at Crowwood and stuff. And, you know, and so my dad was was out doing a bit of exercise in, in his retirement. So they all sort of said, yeah, get on it. And um, and I did it. I sort of as I watched Burnley away, and I went to every game that season except for the uh, the home game at Liverpool, which is the same day as the London Marathon. So that's the only game I missed that season. Um, so yeah, and my running started from there, and I, I enjoyed the London Marathon, uh, probably more so than I enjoyed the back end of that season, thanks to Warren Coyle. But you know, I just sort of, <laughs> you know, we know we all know, know how that ended, yeah. But we I mean, all know that story. Well, that's, that's life, you know. I think that's running its ups and downs, isn't it? You know, and if that hadn't happened, would we be where we are, where we are now? You know, you look at look back in hindsight, and if you know, and then I went back to Asia uh, after that, and I felt a little bit better, and then sort of went back, and a few a few few years later, I sort of was back in the work thing, and and took another slump again, and um, sort of. You know, I was just really in a bad bad way in 2016, and then just uh, stepped away. Basically, I quit my job and thought, right, I need to get myself in order. And um, I'd saved a bit of money and just just went travelling and um, went travelling and running was my thing then. So I just thought, right, I'm just going to run and travel and go running in 
I like to win longer races then and longer runs. So I just went into the mountains in different places, went to Chile and Argentina and uh, down in Patagonia, went to New Zealand. It was just really lucky, just living the dream, really. And sort of, but I was, at that time, I was a bit bored of being in Asia and that it, was, it just done my head in, basically, like from a mental health perspective, it done my head in. So I was looking for somewhere new to live and I just kind of came back to Berlin and was coming back more and more and just thought, God, it makes sense to be back here when it does anywhere else. So after weighing up, should I live in New Zealand or should I live somewhere else? Or, you know, maybe the US, I spent a few months in the US running around there thinking, oh, that, this might be somewhere to settle. And um, and then for some reason, I was just drawn back to Burnley and just felt felt at peace back in Burnley. And then uh, when I got back, I thought, what am I going to do? And uh, it really came around just to the end of end of last season, really, this idea. It was only a few months before, before it started. I, I don't really know. I don't really know like, the true evolution of how it really happened. I'd been looking to do a, an adventure run and something quite epic. But one of the lads was the last game of after the Arsenal game was just having a drink in the cricket club. And uh, he said, You don't remember last year in the Woodman? And you said you were going to run to every game of the season. And uh, so I can't remember saying that to you. So, but, but, so I think that was a, that's the only thing I can pinpoint when, you know, when the Runaway Challenge was first, so, well, I first talked to someone about it. So that was the just who did we play last last game of last season at home? I forget. Uh, West Ham was it? Was it West Ham? Yeah, it might have been. I seem to think it was West Ham. Yeah. So that's that's when I first sort of you know told a few mates about it, and then it kind of just took formation over the summer, and then the World Cup was on, and then the fixtures came out, and obviously everyone's just buzzing because we're in Europe, and uh, and then I just sort of drew a line at, at sort of the Premier League games and thought, right, there's no way I can run to any European games or anything. Um, so, I mean, Aberdeen might have been possible, but I just thought, no, I'll draw a line at the Premier League games. That's big. Yeah, big. I was going to say, Aberdeen was bad enough to drive to. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you might have got there quicker than I did in a car, actually, well, to yeah, be fair. Yeah, I know, I can imagine. <laughs> but it's, I just thought about it. I just thought, no, that's that's enough. So I kind of forfeited the Europe experience just for doing this. But, um, yeah, you can't you can't do everything, can you? No. So I think, I think it was pretty sensible sticking to the 19, but... Yeah, then it was just a big shot when the fixtures came out, and you're like, "That's when it first dawned on me and thought, yeah, I can imagine. You know, this is Southampton. This is happening. (laughs) Oh, I know. (laughs) You must have been devastated. You know, once you once you put your kind of New Year's resolutions on Facebook, everyone knows, don't they? So you you have a responsible (laughs) to them, aren't you? (laughs) Once it's on Facebook, that's it. Um, So talk us through. Obviously, you had this idea, you talked about it, you'd had your moment with your mate and you'd signed up, you know, in your head, you decided that this is what you were going to do. Um, there's a big difference from deciding that you're going to do this challenge and you're going to raise this money for charity to actually starting it. Um, what what was the logistics like? You know, did you have to get funding? How did you, you know, what support network did you get? Because it, it, this is, you know, you can't just get up there and run by yourself. I imagine there's quite a lot that went into the beginning of this. Uh, yeah, the money factor is massively important, you know, and, and really I, I did wing it. I'd, I'd spent most of my money in my savings just travelling and got back and didn't really have much money. But I was just determined to do it, really. So, you know, a few of my mates gathered around and the first couple of runs, like logistically, you know, the cost of it is basically food and then accommodation and, and transport back. Um, Boundary Clarets, Chris, thank you. Uh, stepped up and said we'll give you a lift back on a coach 
um, from every game. So I was like, okay, I don't need to pay for a ticket back. Uh, so that was one cost taken care of. So Boundary took care of that. That was really cool. Um, and then it was like accommodations. So for the first couple, I was like, well, I don't really have, even have enough to be paying for a hotel. So I just, it was six degrees of separation. So I was staying with friends of friends of friends, put out like a Facebook ask. And uh, yeah, people came up and, uh, but that made it a bit difficult because the the route that we're taking, people's houses and stuff weren't necessarily on the route. So I'd have to get to the point where I was running to and then kind of get a bus and a train to get to the house and then the next morning get back to the point of the route where I was and start again. So after a couple, after the first couple, I'd kind of knock that on the head and, and then start started going down the local business route. So I was just kind of winging it really. I remember being on the canal um, or coming off the canal, I think on day three, going to Southampton. And it was somewhere around Derby. And uh, there was all these blokes drunk at the uh, at the bus stop. And uh, they'd been to watch the cricket, I think. I think England had been playing at Trent Bridge one day international, something like that. And I had like a, a BFC in the community, the charity had given me like a shaking tin, you know, a sort of collection tin. And basically, they were putting money in the pot, and one of them, they were really drunk. One put 20 quid in, and the other put 20 quid in, and the other put 20 quid in, and that basically paid for the accommodation, you know, sort of. It was just, just really winging it um, at first. And then when local business to start came in, coming on, um, it became a bit easier, you know, sort of um, like I, I, I'd tweet them out and, and put them, do social media things for them in return for them covering the cost of the hotel and a bit of food along the way. So. It all worked out sort of in the end. Um, but, yeah, I wasn't earning. I thought I'd be able to work during doing this, you know, during the, the weeks off and then the international great weeks. I thought, yeah, there's two weeks there. I'll be able to get some work and stuff. But realistically, by by the time you sort of start doing the logistics for the next one and then doing the media, um, you know, social media and getting an archive together of all the photos and the videos and I just didn't have any time to work in between. So... I did the odd day work for a couple of mates and you know, got a bit, bit of cash in hand, but nothing nothing major. So I was just, I, I was living with mum and dad, so luckily I didn't have to pay any rent or anything. So it was just, yeah, just winged it really. And uh, just the good of the town, and said, the good of the town and business people came on and, and supported me. So, but uh, that, that's a huge sacrifice from your perspective, though. I mean, you talk about. Well, you talk about the challenges and the things that people do for charity. And to me, just the very fact that you physically ran the, the ultra marathons that you did to get to these away games, it never, until I was listening to you in that sentence, it never occurred to me the personal sacrifice that you put, you gave this entire nine months yeah. just to be able to make this work. That's incredible. Yeah. It's quite idealistic, really. And it's, uh, but I think if you're going to do something epic like this or something that's not been done before, you know, I wanted to do something that hadn't been done before. And I'd looked at what other people were doing in long running sort of expeditions or long running challenges. And, you know, there's loads of cool stuff out there. Um, and the, the bridging into football was just made sense to me. And I just I just thought, yeah, it's going to require a sacrifice. I'd, I'd worked for charities pretty much all my life. So, and, um, you know, when you work for charities, at first you volunteer and you just like intern. And then after a while, you become a paid member of staff. Yeah. So you're getting a salary, you're getting. I mean, it's not as much as if you worked in some other sectors, but yeah, you don't do too bad. So, but so, I, but I knew that like that sacrifice had to be there if you were going to actually do something that was going to be epic. Um, so I was prepared to take that hit as well. But on from the mental health side as well, like for me, I kind of 
in some ways, selfishly, I wanted to just carry on running because I've been on this big journey, this big trip of like, you know, backpacking and living, you know, out in tents and just sort of in hostels and stuff. And then just being out in the wild running sort of during the day or hiking. And and I just wanted to carry that on because that was what was making me be happy and, and, and healthy. So I kind of like, in some ways, ducked getting a job to do this so that I could keep my head in, you know, in, in keep it fresh because this is what I love doing. And, um, so it's been really beneficial for my mental health. I was pretty in pretty good state. I'd come off medication about six months, I think, before I started this challenge. So I was as good as I'd been for a long time. And I've just got even better through doing it now. So, I mean, personally, the challenge now is like, what do I do next? You know, cause mm. I, I'm going to have to get a job. <laughs> so, oh, you know, so I'm going to go back to reality. I can't carry on doing this for, forever. You know, it's, it's, it's too much... Uh, it's too much financial burden on, on me and my parents. And yeah, other I can people. imagine. So you've got you've got to but break up there. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you're not, you're not, you get that. You're not 19 forever as uh, uh, goes, yeah? you know. No, as much as we'd like to be. Yeah. I'm really encouraged to hear the effect that it had on your mental health from a positive perspective because you don't often hear about the effects that a, a, an extreme charitable challenge such as this has on the person who's participating in it. And to hear you document your story from the really low point that you get to the really good place that you're in now, and you've got the exercise and the fresh air and you've got that mental um, stability that, that comes with, with doing a challenge such as this and that toughness and resilience. Um, I mean, we hear all the time, you know, the importance of looking after your mental health and it's no surprise to talk about exercise and how that affects you. Has that, do you credit just running to being able to put you in that, in that good mental place or, you know, there the will be people who are listening to this podcast who are in similar situations, who have had struggles in the past, who are either trying to get themselves into a better place or are in a better place. You know, from that perspective, was it just the running? Or, you know, what, what could you say to them that will help them to get to that same um, strength, I guess? Yeah, for me, it's always been about finding what you love and really just committing to spending more time doing what you love, you know, something that really excites you. And it, that could be running, I mean, it could be knitting, it could be, you know, what what does make you feel happy and healthy? And um, and those, I mean, the mental and physical side are both interrelated, interconnected there. So for me, that's that's what floats my boat. And I, because I put, put more time into it, I got the extra health benefit from it. So I'm not saying to anyone, go out and do what I did, or I'm not saying to anyone, you've got to, you know, the couch to 5K or just doing these running things is is going to be the thing for you. You know, it could be it could be another sport, it could be another pastime, it could be painting, it could be artistic, it could be a whole, whole number of things. You know, it could be doing a podcast like, you know, like you're doing sort of voluntarily. It could be something that you love. But I think the other, the other element to it is the social element in that because what's, I think, probably made me even more healthier. It's like I've met so many new people and when I was see as friends and reconnected with old friends through doing this, it's just been amazing. So I've got like, you know, I'm just like, wow, you know, there's a lot of good people out there. Um, and yeah, it definitely warms your heart, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, for sure. And I think with being a bit of a recluse in my darker days, you know, and sort of like being a bit sort of, one paranoid, you know, your mental health sort of your depression makes you quite a bit quite paranoid and, and makes you lack confidence. Um, but also makes you a bit suspicious of people as well sometimes. You know, that's kind of how I was. Um, you know, not really trusting in people. But 
yeah, I think what's the biggest benefit of the last nine months of doing this is I've just met so many cool people from all different walks of life, you know, in Burnley, largely in Burnley, you know, Burnley fans, I mean, <laughs> but like outside as well, you know, sort of in from like all the other clubs yeah. I've been to and um, and meeting fans, you know, it's uh, but and obviously I spend more time in Burnley and I meet more people from Burnley and I see them again and see them again. So you just yeah. sort of, I'm just being able to connect to people a bit more, a bit stronger. I think that's like the third element for, for me. So it's like running, it's being out in nature. And then third, having a strong social bond with like, loads of new friends or old friends that have rekindled a friendship again. So, that, I mean, that's priceless, I think, and that's really yeah, giving me a, a lot more reason to be alive and be, you know, be sort of striving rather than just surviving. Oh, so fantastic. It's quite interesting that you say that actually about meeting the new people and the social aspect of it. I imagine that this was probably more prominent towards the end of the challenge than at the beginning. But what did the away fans make of it? And who? And actually, this is a question that, that came in actually um, from one of our listeners. Bear with me one second and I will just find it because I don't want to ask him the question without um, giving him proper credit for it. I think the question was, oh no, it was what was a Okay, no, I'll come back to that question later on. Um, I think one of the questions that we got from some other forum was, you know, who were the friendliest fans? So, you know, did you get an opportunity to interact with the away fans or was it? were you very much on your own when you got there? Uh, some of them, was, you know, it's quite anticlimactic sometimes. You'd arrive, if it's a long run, like say South Coast or London run, I like to get there the night before so I could then enjoy match day and sort of have a bit of a relaxing morning and then enjoy match day. So I'd kind of arrive at the stadium like on Friday night or Saturday night if it was a Sunday game, you know, I'm there. So I could be like, oh, right, is that it? <laughs> so the highs of the, the highs of the run would be like, you know, within day four or day five or meeting people on the way and stuff. So, but that only happened on a few occasions. But to be honest, because I, because I uh, sort of connected with the charitable side of all the Premier League clubs, I was always welcome with all open arm from the club side. Uh, and quite often I'd get sort of like an interview on the pitch side before the game. And just then, you know, sort of just walking back around and people come over and shake your hand and, you know, from other fans and things. And, you know, and then sort of, especially people who've had mental health sort of issues, they come over and it resonate with them. And you wouldn't really sort of, you wouldn't really sort of, uh, sort of spend too much time with them for it to be anything more than you know just a superficial meeting really but um I mean there were some things that there was one I remember on the way to Cardiff pulled up uh, a, ta- a taxi pulled up I'm in this Welsh Welsh town running through Wales and just kind of not not far from the English border and uh this taxi pulls up just in front of me and the guy gets out big bloke comes over and he's like mate 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 he said he said stop though I said, oh, what's up, mate? He said, like, he said, yeah, man. He said, I'm a Wolves fan. I saw you on the pitch at Wolves last week because we played at Wolves the, whatever the week before or something. And um, and he gave me a he gave me a donation there. He said, it's brilliant what you're doing. And, and I just thought, you know, it's moments like that you think, like, so, that bloke didn't have to stop. And he, you know, no, and he'd, that's incredible. And he'd, he'd stopped. And he, um, so little things like that you think. So there's bits from every ground, really, where, you know, I've had such good sort of, good you know such good sort of meetings with people and uh in cardiff was amazing you, know, you think like cardiff's got a bit of a bad rep and sort of like you know everyone gives, gives yeah. it a big log because the welsh and all that and uh, you know sort of, <laughs> you know just, it was just it was pretty cool actually just all the way down going through cardiff was pretty uh going through sort of southern wales and everything was really cool and 
and just around the ground because we were there for a few hours before. So we were just, and we had a camper van, so we were just in the camper van outside the ground and, and we had a burnley fog up, up and people coming over and chatting. And, you know, it weren't, you know, like, there used to be some rough bad days going to Cardiff back in the day. But yeah, yeah. And then it, was it in Indian Park, the old ground? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was tasty, but it, was, it wasn't like that at all. It was really, really sound. But now I couldn't, I couldn't really pick one out, particularly say that, you know, that was better than the other, you know, because I've always, I think that was yeah. part of the point as well of, of doing this, you know, because I've never really had bad experiences going away anyway. So I've always thought football's, been, you know, it's more of a uniting force and it is a dividing force. And, you know, the media just picks up on the bad stuff, doesn't it? So. No, oh, of course, yeah. Sure. Especially in the current cycle of needing clicks all the time, anything that goes out there, anything that can be inflammatory in any single way, yeah. uh, will get the get the higher clicks and a heartwarming story. Yeah. Um, staying on that that similar topic, um, Joe, and actually, you've probably kind of answered this. Michael tweeted us and said, "What was your favourite away game of the season?" Um, so I guess. You, was the one that stood out to you as being uh, a really great once you'd done the it? Game. But we were talking about the game, the match itself. I think Bournemouth stood out as just being like, just a great day. I think it was just yeah. happy, happy, you know, on the south coast. The sun, sun was shining. I mean, it's been pretty miserable. Like most of the weather's been horrible when we put the get match days in London and on south coast, Brighton, it was raining all day. Southampton were miserable all day. Fulham were miserable. But Bournemouth was just, and there were a lot, I think a lot of Burnley fans have been out like Friday night, they've been there and sort of just, I just had just a great day and everyone just seemed to be in a good mood and the football, we obviously, <laughs> we beat them 3-1 and uh, we played really well. So I just that stands out to me as being like, and I think that's when we believe that we definitely are staying up now. So that was kind of, I think, the, the staying up, you know, there was a real belief and conviction that we've done it. Um, so I think yeah, that's cool, that stands out to agree. me. But, but um, Uddersfield was great as well, I think, you know, because that was like a, you know, it was a shorter run and we got threat really well. There and oh god, yeah, and, uh, and, and it was one of those. I think Cardiff as well, you know, didn't play. I think Cardiff's probably worst away performance of the season, really. We won 2 1. So, you know, it's uh, those kind of moments where you, you go through sort of most of the game and you're just like, oh god, we're just not playing well, and then then you win, you know, it's you go from you go from way down to way up, and that's that's a great feeling for a fan, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely is, and it's definitely the Sean Dash way as well, sure isn't it? Is. Um. On the flip side of that, then Joe Patterson wants to know what was your toughest run? I've, uh, yeah, physically it was Southampton, I think, and Fulham because uh, they were the first ones, and I, and, you know, I'd, I'd roll over in bed in the morning, morning and think, well, what side of the bed am I going to get out of? You know, I couldn't, I couldn't really move my body, and it took me like I just lie back and think, right, okay, strategy to get out of bed because it was just that stiff, you know, that sort of like muscles were just that tight and everything I just thought I'm going to get out of bed and and it took me probably about three or four k's to get moving you know I'd walk eventually get walking and then just sort of just realized that it was not sort of an injury it was just muscle tiredness and stiffness and um, and you can walk through it and eventually I could jog through it and then I could start running a bit more during the day but it you know that was that were growing pains yeah um so mentally, I wasn't in a bad place because it was all really exciting. It was all just re- discovering, you know, what my body could do and what it couldn't do in those first few or that first week, especially when to Southampton. And navigation, it was really difficult because I, I hadn't really, you know, I was kind of changing the route as I went along. I thought, oh, this is going to be a bit quicker this way as I kind of looked at the map on my on my phone. 
so that was you know I was still a bit naive about that whole route planning and sort of you know you know staying with different people all the time so it was a bit bit weird a bit socially awkward to be staying with people you didn't know and you you sort of just think oh, I just want to go to bed but you stay up with them because they wanted to know what you were doing your story and everything so it was just it was just overwhelming completely overwhelming but uh you know, Bill was in Europe. It was the start of the season, so I was still like excited for the whole thing because it was just a, you know, first few steps of a mad journey. Uh, so mentally, it was it was still okay, uh, but mentally, yeah, the Watford one was really excuse me. Uh, mentally, the, the Watford one it was like the week before Man United, and I had about ten, fifteen people signed up to run the whole way with to Man United with me, and I thought, oh, this is going to this is going to be really cool. So I was thinking a lot about the Man United game and the. You know, but other or the run to United and how logistically we were going to do it all with everyone running and um, and I didn't really I just took it for granted running to Watford because I'd run that time I'd already run to London four times it was the same route and basically I didn't spend any time really thinking about about the run and I just kind of I didn't break down but I just basically just didn't want to be there after about two days I thought I'm just my head is not in this at all anymore. Um, and I never never thought about giving up. I just thought, I just don't want to be here. <laughs> I want the challenge to be over. You know, this is just too amazing. And then, and then I just basically spent the next morning uh, in the hotel room. I just thought, right, I'm going to take half an hour extra and just sort of get my head back in the game and just sort of start thinking about different mantras and different things I can do to sort of keep focusing on just, you know, like as Dyche would say, just one game at a time, you know, just sort of like one day at a time. What do I need to do to get through this day? And what do I, what are my answers when, when my brain starts telling me that I don't want to be there? So just preparing myself a little bit more before each day was became more procedural after that. Even even the Everton game, you know, I'd spend like a, an hour or two the day before thinking, like, if this happens, how am I going to react? And it was all about mental planning and staying in the moment and uh, just having answers to any difficult questions that arose in, arose in my head, like, oh, I can't be bothered running anymore, I'm just going to walk, or, you know, I don't want to be here. So then you'd have sort of like things that I'd have answers to the, all those dilemmas, then mental dilemmas that would just come up, you know, just come up from nowhere. Um and I think at, towards the end of it, like just because the money was coming in and it was just sort of like, I really started focusing on, on the charity side of it and thinking, yeah, this is really going to change a lot of people's lives. So that became a kind of a lot of my mental sort of reaction to any sort of negativity that was coming to my head in the last last few runs. Um, and just <laughs> generally, I'm really excited that, wow, we're going to, along with Berlin Football Club and the community, we're, we're going to be able to, sort of start a lot of new little projects that are going to change a lot of people's lives. So I just started focusing on that a lot and just really sort of just becoming really proud of that and thinking, how, how's it just excited? Cause I still don't, we still don't really know how, who is going to benefit from that yet. Uh, that'll, that'll come on once we close the just giving page. So I think that was just the mental, you know, the mental insights into, into those tough days and that tough run at Watford just was a real change. But coincidentally, that was when, you know, Burnley was on that run. So the team was doing really well. So I'd always feared that, oh my God, if we drop into a real drip, or a real uh, sort of lull, that's going to mentally affect me. And to be honest, it didn't really happen until I think I just became complacent as we started winning. I thought, oh, everything's good now, you know, I'm just sort of like coasting it. And the minute you just take it for granted, the, the minute it sort of like, yeah, just sort of smacks you around the head, doesn't it? 
I love the idea that you were just likening a ridiculous amount of ultra marathons to just coasting. I, I can't get back. Well, not quite, <laughs> not quite coasting, but you know what I mean? It was like everything was physically, I was adapting to it. I could sort of, I knew what was coming. I knew that I wasn't really going to get injured unless I pushed yeah. it too much. And But it, it was like it was going smoothly. Like the, the money was starting to come in, Burnley were winning. And I just kind of like, mentally didn't think about it anymore so I didn't prepare myself or you know you've still got mm. to go out and do six days on the road or seven days you know uh, oh god <laughs> and it's uh so yeah you've it's like anything in life you've unless you prepare yourself you you know if you don't prepare yourself for work tomorrow you're going to be all over the place aren't you you know I've sort of yeah it's true it's different yeah. degrees of what you set yourself for the day after yeah for sure Stark contrast to the tough times on the road and, and how you dealt with the resilience that you needed to get through this challenge, there was an incredible high, and this is the one that got all of the headlines, which is, of course, um, running into Everton's ground to Goodison Park, the last challenge you were done. And quite a few special things happened on that day. And I know a lot of us have seen the videos and those of us who were at the Player of the Year Awards saw this happen as well. But Talk us through that final run and, and the, the build-up to the start of the Everton game. Well, I was, I was left in the cold, really, because there's, uh, James was running with me all the way and there was a few people joining me for the last 10K and stuff. And usually how it sort of works is that uh, Siobhan, who does media for Burnley Football Club in the community, we kind of say, oh, all right, uh, great, you know, the club we're running to this week, they're going to do this. So um, you're going to have a pitch-side interview, you're going to... And Siobhan would basically say, like, listen, Scott, for the Everton game, like, we'll just take care of it. You know, you just focus on the running and and, and the guys who are running with you and um, we'll take care of it. And we'll we'll just let you know, like, so we'll keep you informed of what's going on. And I was like, okay, cool. The day before, I was like, oh, she hasn't sent me anything yet. You know, I was like, Siobhan, what's going on? She said, oh, yeah, like, it's all sorted. You know, we've kind of got a rough time. We need to be there. And um, and I was like, okay, you know. And, and I'd actually thought, like, the end one, I didn't, I didn't want to really sort of like go out and have a big drink. I thought I'll save that till Sunday, you know, to the, to the player player awards because I've gotten in back for that. I thought I'll just it's Friday night. We'll sort of get there and sort of just chill out once we get there, and then sort of enjoy the game and sort of it might be a bit anticlimactic. So we got there and Everton was uh, Graham Sharp was there and met me, and I was, there was a few media sort of cameras there when I got there, and that was all really cool. And I had a bit of a chat with Graham Sharp outside the statue outside Goodison and then we got, we got sort of uh, went off to have a shower and Everton put on this buffet and they've got this community hub just around the corner from the ground and, uh, and then Siobhan said right okay uh, so what's what's going on Siobhan are we sort of uh, you know is there any other media interest what's what's happening she said oh, well you've got to be back around the ground at half five and uh, Sean Dyche wants you to come in the dressing room and I was like no way it was like, so I just found wow. out about it just after I finished so they kept it kind of a, um, they hadn't told me anything about it and then sort of Darren Bentley was there and uh, and uh, <gasps> basically they Excellent. yeah it was, it was just crazy so my, my legs started to wobble a bit it was more, more wobbly than the run really <laughs> <laughs> you know, I put a bit of, I'd be the same yeah, it, was, it was really really I mean, just, just gobsmacked and then they said uh, well actually like 
Bilney's not here yet. We can you Everton uh, players here. Michael Keane wants to meet you, so I went and met Michael Keane for ten minutes. Oh, how amazing! So I had a really good chat with him, and he was talking about his progress through the season and sort of you know how he missed at Burnley, but he was you know I mean yeah, it's, the players aren't they? You know they have their own they have their own lives, and but yeah, he was just really yeah. genuine, really sound, and uh, and gave me a sign Everton shirt, and uh, so it was really just really nice, and then and then like right you. Uh, they're in the dressing room, so Daz Bentley just took me in, and, and the gaffer was there. And he's like, "Right, he's here, lads. You know, you know, you know what this lad's been doing all season. We've been following him." And anyway, they give me a big round of applause, and um, you can't, I think you've you've probably seen the video. They put a, a video out of this, I think, on uh, on Crouch. Yeah, player. we saw. And um, yeah, and Crouch is there at the front, and that that's just like, "What are you up to?" And I said, "I'm up to about twenty eight thousand stuff like that. I'm trying to get to the thirty. He's like, "Crouch, you'll take care of that." You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> He's got this cheesy grin on, you know. It's just sort of like, you know, uh, yeah. It was, it was just really nice. And then when they all came out of the dressing room, we were all having a bit of a chat with me as they went onto the pitch and things. Oh, so I was wow. just like, whoa, I didn't expect that. Um, and in some ways, well, you earned that, Scott. You yeah, earned like, that. I'm, I'm sure. Right. Yeah, but in some ways, it's kind of weird because they're your heroes, aren't they? They're your, you know. In some ways, I like to keep them at arms arms length. You know, I don't want sort of like that kind of. You know, like, don't want to be disappointed meeting anyone and thinking, oh, oh just like that, are they? You know, but it's, so it was just kind of nice. You know, <laughs> you know, what, you know what I mean? It's sort of like keeping yeah. it there on a pedestal. You know, that's kind of, but. It's that fame, isn't it? It's, it's that idea that they're untouchable. And I think that's when you put them, like you say, on that pedestal. Exactly. And it's Crouch, for God's sake. It's Peter Crouch. He's well oh, famous. Yeah, so it's. <laughs> and, but at the end of the day, they're just like they're just normal people, and they were just really, really sound with me. So it was just really nice, um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed that moment. And but it's funny because I'm running to Everton. I've been running with James, who'd also run to Liverpool with me, and um, and we've just been chatting normally. So I didn't have time to get emotional during the Everton run. If we, like the run to Chelsea, which is the second to the last one, I was pretty much on my own all the time. So. And I really start thinking about what I'd done and what I'd achieved and that, God, I'd done it. So I was getting quite emotional running along to Chelsea. It was like all good stuff, you know, it was all positive, but it was like, oh gosh, I'm not going to have to, I'm not going to run past here again. I'm going to kind of miss it and everything. But the Everton one, I didn't have time. I just sort of, we're just chatting to James, you know, we're just chatting lads stuff or what we're doing on his holidays and this summer, whatever, you know, it was just sort of just normal chit chat, really. So next thing you know, we were at Goodison. I was like, oh, right, we're here, <laughs> right. So I didn't really have much of a chance to sort of get emotional. And then but and then they got me on the pitch at half-time and then I walked back around after going on the pitch and then sort of as I walked to the Burnley end, I was like, oh, my God, there's like, you know, 3,000 Burnley fans clapping me and that was either tear in my eye then, either tear in my eye. Yeah, that was did. like, I mean, that's that's why you're over stuff, isn't it, that? So... <laughs> Yeah, it definitely yeah. is, and like I say, there's a there's a hum uh, is it humility? Is that the word I'm, I'm looking yeah. for? There's just a yeah about you, and just having that belief that actually I'm just I've just done I'm just a lad from Burnley who's just trying to raise money for charity, and there's you know you're very humble in your approach to these things, and it it, it you endear yourself to people. I mean. You know, we we finally met at the Player Year Awards. We've been following your progress, and you're an instantly likable person. And I think that's you know when you talk about your heroes and, and and you know being in the limelight, people are naturally going to be drawn to wanting to praise you and wanting to speak to you about your adventures because it's incredible what you've done. It's selfless what you've done, and it's just an absolutely outstanding achievement. 
which leads us on to, oh, to the burning. Yeah. Uh, no, don't worry. The burning question: What on earth is next? Uh, well, there's this talk of Qatar, but really, you know, the immediate future is focusing on getting as much impact as we can out of the money that we've raised. So that that'll take a lot of my spare time up. Uh, well, I've got to get a job first. That's the main priority. Main priority is get a job. So if anyone wants, anyone needs anyone, just you know, you, you know where to get me. Uh, I'm a gun for hire. But um, no, no, never recruit. There you go. There you go. Get in touch. So, but yeah, I really like my spare time. I'll be, I'll be trying to set up like a runaway foundation um, to maybe do some other challenges in the future. But prior priorities like making sure that in coordination with Neil and, and Berlin Community Charity that we, we get as much impact out of this money as we can and change as many people's lives, moves move as many legs, hearts, minds as we can. So that's that's my immediate focus and I think I think that's allowed me to sort of move move on from the running and the achievement and not get too sort of emotionally caught up in it. Because if you go if you go too high and get too like the endorphins go too much, you're gonna crash. And I don't want to sort of I want to keep a steady keel really. And that's just sort of experience of probably just running marathons before as well. And sometimes you get the blues after it and you think, oh, what am I going to do now? And you put all this effort in and this is how it feels and it's a bit hollow sometimes. So I just wanted to have something exciting to look forward to. And, and I think this this uh, massive charity donation contribution is just, just the thing. So that's the immediate future. Um, yes, I, haven't men- I have mentioned Qatar. There's a couple of other things that I'd like to – a couple of other adventure runs. So- just expand on that because I'm not sure everybody knows what the Qatar story is. Qatar, is it? I hope that's Qatar. Qatar. Yeah. Explain what that is exactly because not everybody's picked up on this. Well, I have. The, the World Cup is in Qatar in 2022. So basically the runway challenge had about three months to prepare. So if I am to run to Qatar from, from England, <laughs> then I've got three years to prepare. So, but there's a lot of stars that have got to align, haven't they? You know, like, Firstly, England have got to qualify. You know, that's true. I think that's all right. I think, I think we're safe prefer. on that one, yeah. And then, um, secondly, we, well, we don't know if it's still going to be in Qatar. We don't. We haven't got a definite on that. Oh yeah, we that's true. We don't know that's if it's true. going to be in November. It's slated to be in November, but we don't know uh, for sure. So those kind of things have got to happen. And then there's, you know, there's a geopolitical element to it all. So we'd have to sort of look at. Uh, do a risk assessment, security and everything of how what logistically it would take and what would be the hurdles to getting it done besides the physical and mental sort of personal challenges that I'd take, take on. But um, it's about, probably about 4,000 miles, something like that. So, I mean, it's it's doable. <laughs> uh, and it, November would suit well, it actually, because it's, it's going into their winter then. So it, even running True. across Saudi Arabia... Um, and I've talked to people about this already because uh, this—I mean, there's this races out there and everything across the desert and things. So it's not like people don't do it or can't do it, but you'd want to be doing it in, the, you know, the, the winter. Uh, so yeah. October, November makes sense, and that's why they're going to have the World Cup in November because it's just too hot if they have it in summer. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and the main time. thing is getting a sponsor. You know, I, I, this time I wouldn't be winging it. You know, I wouldn't be staying in like the first. No. Sort of, I won't. I won't be, I'd need to get a proper sponsor to do this and and really come up with a ballpark figure of how much it's going to cost me and uh, and logistically and um, yeah, before we 
But I just wanted to put it out there because if there is a sponsor out there that's interested, then um, yeah, better to get the ball rolling early. And that's a big lesson from the, from the runway challenge of this season. But also, I think next season as well, you know, people are asking me, it'd be great to do one or two games next season, but I'm not going to do it on my own. I want to get other Burnley fans involved. And it'd be nice to pick one, wait till the fixtures come out, pick one in, in April where the weather's not going to be, well, it's not going to be freezing, but you, you don't know. But it'd be nice to pick a, a good away game in April where the weather's not going to be too bad. And, you know, and train with a few people over the season to be able to do it and pick a two or three. Oh, what a fantastic pick idea. Pick a two or three dayer. Um, you know, sort of Derby would be great. I mean, it's two and a half days probably to Derby. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Derby, Derby in April would be fantastic, you know. Uh, or Villa, you know, whichever one gets up. Uh, something like that. So let's see what the fixtures come up and then kind of, um, you know, I've got lots of people saying, I would like to run with you and stuff. And uh, so, you know, just that would be a good, I think, just to do a, a one next 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 season. That would be amazing, and what a great way to bring all the community together as well, and to do it as the fans. Yes, I mean, I'm, I make no promises that <laughs> oh. I will be there, but I, you did very much inspire me to down. Well, I signed up for Park Run, and then realised that that was a bit yeah. beyond me as a complete, yeah, as a complete novice. So I've not done one yet, and I am, I am not a runner well, by any stretch of the imagination. And you kind of build up to that. Right? I've just done it with. That's what. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, so I downloaded it this right. weekend, and this lunchtime in preparation to get me in the mindset for preparing for tonight's recording I did week one Brilliant. run one well I did the first run session which was 60 seconds and I wanted to stop crying go home and quit but I didn't yeah. I did the whole session inspired by the marathon man the runaway challenge Scott Cunliffe I did the whole Brilliant. session I'm in enormous amounts of pain at this yeah. particular moment yeah I mean I say that but you've got to be it. in pain at first because if, if, if you weren't in pain you'd be a freak if you've not done it before yeah, and you wouldn't be doing but it. One of my mates, well. so, he ran to, he ran most of the way to Man United with me. And I remember being outside his office in about end of August last year and saying, "Come, mate, just try and run to the lamppost there." And he just looked at me and laughed. There's no way I'm doing that. And four months later, he ran most of the way to Man United with us. You know, and he did. And he started on the couch to five k. Uh, big shout out to Mick Wilson. Well done, lad. And, you know, and he's like, he's just buying a whole new wardrobe now. He's like, lost so much weight. He's feeling healthier. And yeah, so it's little things like that that make it all worth it. So if, I'm sure you could probably, you know, do 10K by the time we get to sort of April next year. Um. Yeah, okay. I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not committing to any of that. Do you know what? For me to, to get through today was an incredible challenge, massively 100% inspired Brilliant. by you. The next challenge for me is just to do week one, run two, and see well, if I can it. get one, to the end of the week. Unless, one run at a time, isn't it? One run at a time. Don't think about have yeah. your goal and have your what have you need to get to, but it's one game at a time, isn't it? As Gaffer would say, it really is. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Well, I think we need to finish this week's episode very much with the main reason why we're here. As incredible as it has been listening to your stories, and quite frankly, I could talk to you all evening about this. There is a very real reason why you've done this run, and there's a real reason why we're promoting it, and that is to have one final push to see just how far we can take this Runaway Challenge um, fundraising. So, Scott, final word from you. Anybody who wants to, who hasn't yet donated, how do they do it? How do they send some money? So you can donate online, which is justgiving.com the, uh, slash the Runaway Challenge. Um, or if you connect with me through uh, through Facebook or through Twitter uh, or Instagram, um, 
at S-E-K-O-T-T, at Sukkot. Um, then, yeah, if you want to make a check donation, you don't want to do it online, we can facilitate that with the club. I've had quite a few um, sort of checks and cash donations, uh, which we're putting in through the other way. And, and I mean, the, 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 uh, the players had a whip round and put 10 grand in, which was absolutely fantastic. Um, and Tom Eaton presented me with a check. Um, so, but every penny counts, you know. So, uh, the Royal Dykes, thank you, Justine. They had a whip round on Arsenal. Uh, a collection on the Arsenal around the Arsenal game, um, and the Royal Dutch doubled what they took. So I think it was like two hundred and ninety pounds. Something came in from there. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's like people doing all the different things. Uh, so it's brilliant, and uh, I think we're going to close it on the thirty first or the first of June. So payday coming up, sort of, you know, put a five in when you get paid. It'd be absolutely fantastic. Absolutely, and and guys, if if you've just been moved by a single molecule of what Scott's talked to tonight, then just give whatever you can, you know, even if it's just a quid, just see what you can give to him because what he has achieved over the last this last season has been nothing short of remarkable. And he has done it tirelessly and selfish selflessly. <laughs> selfishly, selflessly to it's raise a money. Element to it, but, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well selfless. We're going selfless. Um <laughs> he's done that purely just to help to help people who who need it. And it's it's an incredibly moving story and um just Scott, from everybody at None and Ever, from all of our listeners, we're immensely proud to be able to call you one of ours. And thank you so much for everything that you've done for the community and for coming on and sharing your story. Thank you, my pleasure. I think, you know, as we all know, Burnley's an inspiring place in many ways, you know, and uh, not everyone from the outside sees it that way. Uh, and it's not always, it's not all glory for us all every day, is it? <laughs> we're in this little town, but uh, yeah, I think if you set a dream, you can achieve it, can't you? And, the club shows us that, the team shows us that. Uh, so why can't we do that as just individuals or fans as well? So, yeah, believe in yourself and you can do it. Yeah, what a fantastic way to end this podcast. Um, if any of you have been moved by some of the conversations that Scott's had, if any of you are struggling or if anybody feels that you need some help, please do get in touch. There are organizations that can help you there are places where you can go um to get the help that you need so don't don't be alone um reach out reach out to scott reach out to us reach out to your local community reach out to anybody who you feel can help you and you know scott's shown that there are ways that you can come back from difficult times in your life whether it and it's you know it doesn't have to be the grand scale that, that Scott did it can be the littlest of things that that can really help you so please don't suffer alone um if you do feel that you need help do get in touch otherwise that's all we've got time for this has been an incredible special edition of the known and ever podcast and one that I have thoroughly enjoyed from start to finish um thanks to Scott for just being the best guest ever uh, I don't even think it's that hyperbole to say that and for sharing his incredible journey with all of us it's been an absolute honor being able to listen to those stories um as we noted last week, we are now on a summer break. We are going to try and get a couple more specials out to you over the summer months just to keep that podcast craving going. Um, so if you've got any ideas or anything that you want us to do, get in touch. You know the usual channels. Um, otherwise, we will be back the next time. So have a great week wherever you are in the meantime. I've been Natalie Bromley. This has been the Known and Ever podcast. Until next time.
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.